Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. All right, welcome back to Training for Manhood. Dan Panetti with a good friend, Michael Craven. Michael, welcome. Dan, good to be here with you, as always. Always, yes. Um, so uh, you you are part of an incredible program um, called uh, the Colson um, Fellowship Colson Center. Um, you get to do some incredible work. And I wanted our young guys uh, to know about it mm-hmm. uh, as an opportunity. But I wanted you to kind of set the stage um, for why they need to know about this. Um, think about your uh, young guy, you're you know, 24, you're, you know, graduated from college, you're about to start your first job. Uh, the questions that you're asking in life, right, are, um, how am I going to be successful? Uh, what kind of job do I want? Where do I want to live? Right? A lot of normal things that yeah. a lot of young guys are wrestling with. Um, you think that there's a different set of questions that they need to be exposed to, they need to be asking and answering. And if they miss them, sometimes I think the world sucks them into something that they don't pull their head out of it until they're about 70, Right, and then they go, "Whoa, I missed right. it." And I, I want to, I want them to ask the question. Yeah. Not all of them will get it, right? But I want them to, I want them to hear the questions. I want them to ask the questions as young as possible, because I don't want them to miss a life that could be spent in something greater. So, yeah. what would you say to that young guy that they need to be thinking about? Well, you know, there's a great quote by Alistair McIntyre in his book After Virtue, in which he says, before I can answer the question, what am I to do, I must first answer the prior question, what story or stories do I find myself apart? Mm. And I think for many Christians today, we think we understand the story of which we are apart, but I would argue that the story we understand is actually a very truncated version of the story. Okay. In other words, we start the story at the fall, the sin problem. Yep. Dan, you yep. have a sin problem, thus you need a Savior, which is where we end mm-hmm. at redemption, Jesus coming, dying on the cross, rising from the dead, in order to obtain for you and for me salvation Yes, in strictly personal terms. Yes, no. which, is, which is not a bad part of the story. It's all what true. You, but what you're saying is it's not the whole story. It's seated within a much larger story uh-huh. of really creation fall, redemption, and restoration. And when you grasp that whole story and you understand what was intended in the beginning and how the fall has not uh, nullified any of that, it's just bent, broken, and distorted what Mm -hmm. was created, what God says is good. But the thing for which humanity was created remains in effect but we're just told that it's going to be a lot harder. Be fruitful and multiply, fill and subdue the earth, right? We're, <laughs> yep. not, we're, not, we're not alleviated from that responsibility. That responsibility is not taken away now that the fall has occurred. We're just told that you're still going to do that, but guess what? You're going to encounter thorns and thistles. And, and in your procreation and childbearing and child-rearing, it'll be painful. Mm. It'll be difficult. And then we get to go forward into redemption, and in our redeemed state, we're restored to that original calling, and we now participate in the restoration of all things, in which Jesus, through his kingdom, is making all things new. 
So if you compare those two stories, that, that truncated story, right. which really concludes with, I have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, and then at the end of my life, I get to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Many Christians are struggling, well, what do I do in the meantime right. other than behave myself? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm breathing, right? I'm, what, right. Am I, what am I supposed to do? I, I know right. when I stop breathing, yeah. what happens, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So now that you have, now that you grasp that whole story, yes. we have four questions that we employ uh, and challenge all of our Colson fellows to consider when they go through the program, and they are as follows: What is good in this world that I can preserve, protect, promote? That's okay. the first question. First question: What is good? What is good? Okay, I and love there it. is much good. Yeah. And how do we preserve, protect, and promote that which is good? What is missing in this world Mm. that the Lord might use me to innovate or provide? What is evil in this world that I must, in conscience and obedience to God, stand against? And finally, what is broken in this world that the Lord might use me to restore? I love it. And this frames our purpose within this larger story, gives us the answer to the question, what am I to do? Yeah. Well, you're to be about doing the Lord's redemptive work, the restorative work. And yes, of course, that includes things like evangelism. But we also know that in the Bible, there's a diversity, a broad range of gifts that are given to the church beyond evangelism. What were those supposed to be used for? Yeah. If not within this, this broader restorative effort. And all of these things, the demonstration of the gospel as well as the proclamation of the gospel, go hand in hand. Mm. So as we're raising our children and they stand on the precipice of adulthood, we've, we've got to ask those questions, what, what, what are our goals for our children? Okay. Um, and I think for many, if we're not careful, we, we, can, we can adopt the default goals of the world around us, mm-hmm. which are, I want my kids to be happy. I want my kids to be successful. Which in America is, in a sense, health and wealth. Right. Right? I want them to be healthy. I want them to be well off. Right. That, that is, by default, right. right, what we would consider a successful life. Yeah. So when we, you know, at 80-something years old, right, when we put them, you know, lay them to rest, we stand around, you know, yeah. and we say they lived a good life. And what we mean by that is uh, they lived a long life, right? They were healthy. Um, they were wealthy, right? They, they prospered. They did a lot of, you know— Wonderful things, yeah. and, and, and we look at that, and, and you know, my thing is always, well, what did they do for the kingdom? What, what outlasts them? And for a lot of people, there, there's nothing there to talk about. Yeah, happy is not a kingdom virtue. Happy is not a kingdom virtue. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a self-centered virtue. It is, yeah. Um, there, and and there's, there's, a, there's blessed, right, that blessedness that comes from pursuing the Lord, right, that a person who's pursuing the things of, of God, right, will be, in a sense, blessed and happy in that journey. Yeah. But what we consider happy is really um, are the circumstances around me the way that I want them to be right. so that I feel good about who I am in myself. Yeah, what we what we mean by happy is I want my life plan to proceed uninterrupted. Exactly. I don't want any trouble. Yeah. I don't want to suffer. Yeah. Um, when what we're really called to experience is joy, the joy of knowing the Lord. And that's what actually gives us peace despite our circumstances. Happiness is completely contingent upon circumstances. Yeah. And we can't control those circumstances despite our best efforts. And everybody eventually learns that. Which is why when they reach their 60s and 70s, they're going, oh, my goodness, I've missed it. Yeah, I missed it. Yeah. So um, one of my um, 
great cloud of witnesses, one of my you know life heroes, right, is William Wilberforce, mm. uh, who was a young man, right, uh, you know, trained to be a member of parliament, right, uh, very, very, you know, sharp, well-spoken, uh, had a great singing voice, uh, was just, you know, very popular, uh, friends with, you know, William Penn and um, you know, I mean, er, had everything going, yeah, had everything going for yeah. him. Um, ends up getting saved um, mm-hmm. and uh, makes a radical transformation in life, uh, and says basically, um, I, you know, I'm going to devote my life uh, to the spreading of the gospel. Mm-hmm. I'm going to become a pastor. Yeah. And he goes and sits down with an old family friend, John Newton, and yeah. he he tells him this. Yeah. He says, "Hey, I'm leaving Parliament. I'm going to go become a pastor." And John Newton says, "Hang on a sec. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "Why don't you bloom where you're planted?" Yeah. Right, God's got you already in a particular place. He needs godly men everywhere. Yeah. Right, there isn't any particular field or or area right that doesn't need a godly man. Yeah, uh, and he says, you know, pray about it and go back. And and um, Wilberforce prayed about it and came back and he says, God set before me these two great things: right, the abolition of the slave trade and the reformation of manners. Uh, he wrote a book to the people of England at the time and basically said, um, I think there's a problem. I think there's a problem with the world and the way that it is. And I think the problem is, and it's interesting because he didn't say the problem was slavery. He said the problem was that Christians aren't engaged to see evil. Like you just said, right? What what are the good that I can promote it, right? What is the evil that I stand against it? His thing wasn't just, right, I see an evil and I need to stand against it. His thing was, I don't think that we as Christians see ourselves as part of this grand story. Yeah. And the reason is, is because we don't know our Bibles. Yeah. And that, that was his big thing to, and now, now he went on, right, to fight against the, you know, the institution of slavery. So he, he ended up picking something to say, hey, I want to do something about that. Yeah. But the other part of that was, you know, the good, right, was the reformation of manners. And he brought back, in a sense, a civility back to England, uh, because that was the way that, you know, God had instructed people to interact with one another, right? That joy and that love and that peace and that patience and that kindness and that goodness and that self-control. And he brought those things back. And so yeah. when I when I listen to you talk about those questions, right, I can't help but think of men and women throughout history, right, that in a sense kind of ask those same four questions and their lives radically changed. And I think part of the question that we have to kind of wrestle with is, I think there's a fear of asking those questions because if I ask and answer them, maybe then I don't go do the things that I want to do. And and I think that from a young yeah. man's perspective, that's that's a great fear. Well, we, we suffer from this sacred secular divide. You and I have talked about this for mm-hmm. years, and it's, and it's alive and well in the United States. It's alive and well in American evangel- evangelicalism. Um, this idea that there are there are things of this world they are generally in the minority that are sacred such as preaching the gospel yeah, the Sunday things yeah the Sunday things yeah. that I've got to really focus on if I want to be a faithful follower of the Lord Jesus right. Christ yep and that everything outside that is somehow under the realm of secular Satan Jesus has no interest in those things of the world the are you Monday through me? Saturday things. Right. The one to whom all authority in heaven and on earth has been given, who is ruling and reigning, the King of kings and Lord of lords, it says, all of this is mine, yes. and I am reclaiming it. I have reclaimed it. This is the extension of the land promise given to Israel that just keeps getting larger and larger and larger until it includes the entire cosmos. Yeah. And that's what John 17 actually tells us, right? For God so loves the cosmos, his creation, the universe, that he sent his only begotten son. Yeah. 
He's redeeming everything. He's making everything new. And this is the gospel of the kingdom. So whatever gifts and abilities that God has given you, you can ask those four questions and yeah. you can answer them using the gifts and the talents and the abilities that God's given you to help answer those particular things, yeah. right? So what is good that you want to promote? Let's, let's say you, you, you want to go into architecture. Yeah. Can, can you be a Christian in architecture and make that your ministry? Absolutely. And I think the answer is yes. Yeah. Right and and not not just in the way that you would run a business or that you treat other people because I think you can do that everywhere, right? But in the in the promotion of what you would build and and how you would build it and what materials you would build. You used to be in the building business, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? You came from that yeah. that world, that construction world, yeah. right? And we need good godly men and women in every facet of life. Yeah. And, and I think that's that's one of the things is somebody I think when when people hear those four questions they think if I answer those that means I've got to do something totally different with my life as opposed to you know I think that's the plan that God has for your life answer those four questions and find out what part of the story He wants you to play yeah well and and when you understand the larger story I think it changes your perspective about the world around you mm-hmm. you don't you don't see the world as is entirely bad you see the world as corrupt yeah. But you see all of the good and the glory that it gives to God, that the world today is a better place than it was 2,000 years ago in many, many respects. It's not perfect, but we are seeing a sign and foretaste that there's a future to which all of humanity is heading, in which there is justice, peace, righteousness, joy. None of these things existed in this world 2,000 years ago until Jesus Christ comes into the world. And his followers began to live this out. And they bore witness to a watching world. This is what life looks like under the rule and reign of Christ. Repent and enter the kingdom of God. That's the gospel. And that's what Jesus is inviting us into. That's the story into which we are invited. We think we're inviting him into our little story. Jesus, come into my life because it just isn't working for me. There's something missing. It must be you. Yeah, there is something missing. But it's not that he's inviting us. We're inviting him into our lives. He's inviting us into his. Yes. The bigger story. The bigger story. <laughs> the bigger story. It's all so, about him. So walk, walk through those four again and just kind of peel each one back, right? So you started with what's good. Yeah. Okay. So um, what's good that I can protect, promote, preserve? So think about marriage. Okay. Marriage is a good. It's a creational norm. God yes. establishes marriage. So how do I protect the institution of marriage? Well, you focus first on your own. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, you, you know that's Your wife a, saying amen. Yes, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, Carol, what? <laughs> Trisha. But, but honestly, that's profound. It is, and, and, and seriously, be, before you go off, right? Because yeah. I mean, it even talks about right in, in you know uh, Titus Timothy when it before before you know the elder goes off and tells everybody else how to run their life. You know, from the church perspective, yeah. it, it says, "Hey, why don't you put your house in order first? Yeah. I think that's a reality that we've lost. Um, you know, you've you've got to you've got to live it out in your own life before you can export it to others. So, marriage, great example. Yeah. Love that. How do we protect and preserve and promote marriage? Yeah. One, have a good marriage. Yeah. Have a good marriage. <laughs> if you're if you're single, right, then treat women the way they they, they need to be treated. Right. Um, esteem them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as sisters in Christ. Um, you know, pornography. It is definitely not going to esteem women and value them the way they need to be. So, and not right, going to help you. Not going to help you, right? So you need to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, have a great dating relationship, right? Get married. And as you said, be fruitful and multiply, right? Have kids, bring kids into the world and show a dark and decaying world what it looks like to be a light. And and maybe that's just a light in your own family, but that's that's a great place to start. So I love that. So that was the first one. What's the next question again? Um, what is missing? What's missing in this world that I can innovate or provide? Okay, what's an example of that? Um, it could be something. Well, there's there's a great need. Maybe there's a community that is in need. Maybe you know if if, if it's in the third world, there's a community that lacks water. Hmm. Um, the Christian cannot look with indifference on that need and still claim to love our neighbors yep. as ourselves. You know, it's funny as we were down in Austin. Um, two years ago for a mini-master trip uh, mm-hmm. with a group of students and a large homeless community. And they're down there 3D printing homes yeah. for homeless community. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing, here, here's what I thought was fascinating, is this group, which is a group of Christians that we went and, and did this to, they said, here's the deal. Homeless people don't need a home. They need a community yeah. because they were built for community. We, we aren't built to live in homes. We're built to live in community. And so what they wanted to do was – well, you know, to have a community and a place that's safe and a place that we can all gather together, you have to have homes. Um, but we're not going to just build homes for people because that doesn't solve the ultimate need that people have. They need community. And so they build little communities and they give people yeah. jobs and they give people responsibilities and they give them, right? And so it's a very fascinating thing, right? So what what's missing? Uh, and community is missing in a lot of people's lives. Well, and you think about it on a, on a macro level. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was Christians that conceived of free market economics. Mm-hmm. And, and this derives from, first, their, their conceptions of who is man, made in the image of God. What are the implications of the Imago Dei, that man has dignity, that he is meant to work, that he is meant to create more than he consumes? Yes. Um, so he can care for others. Yep. And so we conceived a free market economics, and, and it's in that system that is a uh, the entire economic system of free markets is driven in large part not by greed, as people surmise, but by need, yeah. people identifying things that are needed. And, hey, if I provide that need, I might earn a living for myself and provide for my family. I might even make a lot of money. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. That's right. Because needs get met. And you look at the needs that we take for granted that are met here every single day where you can walk into a grocery store, you can buy any number of foods uh, that that you could even imagine. You can't even imagine. And there are people in other parts of the world that they would walk into that grocery store and be overwhelmed never having seen anything remotely like that. You know, is Operation um, Samaritan's, Mm -hmm. you know, purse, Mm -hmm. right, is um, when we pack a shoebox – um, and we do, you know, do this with all aged kids. You pack a shoebox. It's going to some place, you know, a third world country. And the things that you put in the shoebox are uh, meaningless and insignificant, and you know, things that our kids will throw away. Yeah. And you realize that for most of the rest of the world, right? Not one percent or two percent. For most of the rest of the world, these things that our kids wouldn't even play with or wouldn't even right. care about, most of the rest of the world doesn't even have access to them. Right. I mean, it's it's funny watching these kids you know, pack shoeboxes and think, oh my goodness, why would anybody want this? And it's like, well, if, if you didn't have anything, <laughs> this is something. So I love that. Okay, so if something's missing, right, how can I, how can I meet that need? I love that. Yeah. What was the next one? Um, something, what is evil, evil that I must oppose? Now, when we say that, we immediately think about the large evils, okay. like abortion. Sure. But let's think about the daily evils that we bump up against. Say gossip. 
You know, you're let's, you're, let's go back to the larger one. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Let's talk bigger. Yeah, you, you think about in our churches, uh, in our businesses, yeah. even in our families. You know, do we do we take time to notice mm. that there is gossip taking place in our presence? And what do we do? Do we participate? Do we remain silent? Or do we go? Wait a minute, this is not appropriate. Yeah. You know, this D- is evil. Dietrich Bonhoeffer mm. had a rule that he would never talk about somebody unless that person was present. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, it may not be able to be a, a, a thing you can do all the time, but it is a great reminder, um, not just, uh, would you say that if that person was here? And it's, oh, of course I would. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe you don't need to say things, right, right, if the person's actually not there. So, yeah, I, I, I love that. So there are big things, right? There's, there's sex a, trafficking. A there's abortion. There's big a, things uh, and growing daily. Yes. I mean, I, yeah. I, had a, I had a student this year come in and say, um, I really feel like the Lord has placed the issue of sex trafficking on my heart and I really want to do something, mm. right? So I got her in touch with an organization here in town that's fighting that and she's, you know, heading off to college and she's, you know, volunteering with them and doing some great things. So yeah, there's, there are big evils that you can participate and, you know, yeah. stand against and do those things. Uh, but you're right. There are also small ones that you can say, hey, what are the things that happen on a daily basis that I simply ignore, overlook, don't even pay attention to? Those would be great. Well, and some of those large evils mm-hmm. get very personal. Yeah. And and therein lies our opportunity to stand against evil. So you think about what's happening to young people today. Mm. Um, the the catastrophic rates of deaths of despair. Yeah. The despair that is rising among young people that is leading them to kill themselves is 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 epidemic yeah. in this country. And some of these children are being convinced that, well, the, the solution to your problem might be changing your identity. Yep. Um, and they, only, might, they might embark on that path. Which only makes it worse. Which only makes it because worse. We've heard from some of these individuals who have gone down that path. Yeah. And they're now coming back and saying, I wish somebody had yeah. said, let me, let me give you a different alternative. But so many people jump on that yeah. bandwagon and push them down. They end up making yeah. life-altering Right, body altering things. Right, I mean, girls who have surgery that will never have children. I mean, just it. It is a yes. It's an well, epidemic for young people. And the challenge for us becomes: what do we do with that person? Yeah, that young man, that young woman that is that is in, that is so confused mm-hmm. and in the midst of that crisis. Yeah. Do we stand in judgment against them, or do we lean in and 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 enter into their lives and love them and care for them and speak truth to them? In love, yep. but speak truth, yep. but 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 enter into a, a an intense, deep, meaningful human relationship. That's standing against evil because that person is under the power of evil. Yep. They're being influenced by powers and principalities, and we're reminded that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is against those powers and principalities. That's how we do battle with them. Yep. The thing that sends them fleeing is the love of Christ. Amen. That's when they run. Yep. That they cannot tolerate. That they cannot defeat. That they can't even stand against that. Yep. And that's how we enter into. And sometimes that's how we stand against evil. Yeah. And that's that's what draws them. I was, I was thinking about um, Rosara Butterfield um, has had mentioned right when you know the whole LGBTQ thing and um, early on when she was talking about the pronouns. You know that she was trying to be respectful of different people's pronouns because she didn't want people to feel alienated, et cetera, et cetera. She just released something and said that's not 
where I stand now. I want to be honest. It's, it's God. God is the one who created, right? And as a follower of God, I need yeah. to be honest with the people. But the other thing that she just talked about, she just released a book called um, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's that idea of you need to have people, right? So if you, if you want to fight an evil, right, yeah. bring that evil into your you know, dining room and, and, you know, have dinner with them. Yeah. Right. Like if that's, you know, if that's the enemy over there, well then invite them over for dinner and say, Hey, I love Jesus and Jesus loves you. So you know what? I love you. (laughs) That's a great way to fight against it too. I I was reminded of that this morning. I walk through my neighborhood just about every morning and there's, there's always those select few houses that have what I call that virtue signaling sign out Mm -hmm. front, you know, that we believe in science, black lives matter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It lists all of the, you know, progressive causes. Love is love by the way. Love is love, yeah. yeah. And I thought, you know, my first reaction to that is is one of irritation, and I have to repent of that. But then I think, on the back of that sign, if I could flip that over and and really read between the lines, what it says is, is I'm lost, yeah. and and I have been deceived, and I may be open to the truth. Yeah. And how often do we not see that perspective? That, right. that person is in bondage to those powers and principalities, evil. Yeah. And that's how we stand against evil sometimes. I love it. All right, what's the last one again? The last one, what is broken that the Lord might use me to restore? Okay. Well, there's an abundance of opportunities there Mm. in a broken world, a world that is wrecked and ruined by sin Mm. and the fall. Uh, The damage is all around us. Um, and, And we just have to look for those areas that are not functioning in a way consistent with God's creational norms. This is why a worldview is so important. So important. Absent that worldview, you're going to miss most of those areas where they are out of sorts with God's creational norms. Because that's what a worldview gives you, is it gives you insight into how things were in the beginning. Yep. How does God want his world structure? How do we live in right relationship with God, ourselves, others, and creation. It's that, it's that, those four relationships that sin has ruined. Um, And it's a, and it's a biblical worldview that helps us identify and understand the the makeup of those four relationships. Now, for those who don't know, right, when you're talking about a biblical worldview, you actually have a particular program that individuals can sign up for to learn about what this means. What is that? Yeah. So the Colson Fellows Program is is the largest Christian fellowship of its kind in the world dedicated to worldview formation for mm-hmm. adults. Uh, and this was Chuck Colson's vision many, many years ago because he'd been working in prisons, and he realized, he came to see that many of these men in prison were there because they were making choices consistent with their worldview, and yet their worldview was a false worldview. Sure. In other words, it was built on a false interpretation of reality. Where do we come from? What's gone wrong with the world? And what is the hope of the world? Yeah. And that's what a Christian world answers. It's at least those three questions and many, many more. But if you can't answer those three questions and many, many more, you, you are at a, an extreme disadvantage in knowing how to navigate this world in your own right. That's right. Certainly, you're in a disadvantage in helping others navigate this world, including your own children. Right. Um, and this is why we have a lot of parents, a lot of grandparents that are so deeply and rightly concerned about the state of our culture. Mm. Um, and they are desperate to help their kids know how to live in right relationship, not only with God and not only with themselves, but also with the rest of creation and with others. And uh, if you think about it this way, when we go to church, what we're often being taught or equipped with, which is really necessary, is a biblical hermeneutic. Mm -hmm. How do we interpret and apply the Bible to our lives? 
But what we're discovering we need, because we've abandoned this in the West, is we need a cultural hermeneutic. Okay. We need to know how to live in right relationship with the culture. Yeah. Uh, what is our responsibility to culture? Because whether one is aware of it or not, everybody everywhere is contributing to the creation of culture. Sure. One way or the other, yeah. intentionally or unintentionally. And right now we have some forces that are very intentionally reshaping our culture That's right. in a way that deviates from all of God's creational norms, and that will only bring disastrous consequences. As we often say, ideas have consequences. Well, bad ideas have victims. That's right. And we are in the victim care business. So we need to understand these ideas. We need to understand how these ideas impact people. And we need to be there to provide care for those people who are victimized by those ideas, but also prevent them from being victimized yeah. by those ideas. And this is especially relatable to our own children as they begin to take their first steps out into the world. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to put in the show notes uh, the links right, to the Colson Fellows Program. Um, I want guys to, to think about that, pray about that. I want them to ask those four questions um, as they uh, venture off into the world uh, and as they, um, as, you know, as, as, you know, Jeremiah was writing to the exiles, um, you know, seek the welfare of the city. Um, he, he said, you know, go out and have, you know, kids, have families. Create right? businesses. Create businesses. Yeah. Do something. Yeah, do right? good. And, and, and the concept is, is um, I hope that, as the guys are thinking about this transition into um, a larger story, um, that they're um, that they're encouraged by it, right? That they're not, um, you know, falling for that small story uh, mentality of just you know yeah. me 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 mine mine mine. Um, but they see the opportunity to say, you know what, God did give me gifts and abilities and talents, and I want to use those for something. Um, that's not just to take care of my family, but yeah. to take care of the larger family around me, um, the world, right? And I, I think that's, that's such an incredible thing. And I think for those who don't have that mindset, you're right, that particular training um, of opening up your eyes to see the world through a different lens, through that biblical lens, I think will be um, invaluable in a, in a life-changing process. So hopefully a lot of our, our guys will go through your particular training because it's going to be good for them. Well, and I, I think this resonates with most Christians. Um, God does not give us an otherworldly faith mm-hmm. to deal with the problems or ignore the problems of this world. Yep. He gives us a faith in which he makes the promise he is making all things new. Yep. He is restoring all that sin has broken. And he promised us is eternal life, and it's an eternal life on this earth when heaven and earth are once again reunited and God dwells with man. Yeah. Well, I think about even with Jesus walking and doing miracles and giving, yeah. um, you know, sight to the blind. I mean, the, the reality, I mean, you know, raising Lazarus from the dead. The reality is, is Jesus could have just said, hey, listen, you know, here's what it takes to get into heaven, yeah. right? And ushered them into heaven, right? In right. a sense, kind of the, the thief on the cross. He didn't, you know, get them down and tell them to go do anything. He said, hey, today you're going to be with me in eternity. And that's ultimately what all of us want. But if you think about it, it's like, why did Jesus spend so much of his ministry actually healing, yeah. right, temporal things as opposed to just eternal things? Why, why did he give a, a person who was blind yeah. sight? Well, to go do something with it, <laughs> right? And he's the first fruits of the new creation. Yep. There's a new creation that has come and is coming and one day will be fully come. I love it. I love it. Well, Michael, thank you for um, your ministry, your work. Thanks for the time um, just to uh, encourage and challenge some of our young guys uh, to see the world in a bigger picture. Thank you, Dan. Good to be here. 
Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training, the number four, manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.